You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions, and thank you for joining me today. If someone is caught in a sin, it's the title of this devotion. If someone is caught in a sin, You know, the enemy, the devil, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, is like a lion lying in wait, seeking whom he may devour. And then the Lord says there in his word that we should cast our care upon him and be sober and vigilant because the adversary goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And this suffering is experienced by all God's children throughout the world. You read it there in 1 Peter chapter 5. But friends, when someone is caught, that doesn't mean they came confessing. That doesn't mean they say, oh, hey, I really made a mess of myself. Can you help me? No, you caught them. They were trying to get away with it. They were living in a way that's not right. What's our reaction? What should be the spirit by which we respond to that. And I would like to talk to you about it because I feel that is such an important, uh, it's such a need in the body of Christ to be able to respond in a way that Satan, who's seeking to devour, cannot succeed because there is... There are those who know how to respond to disarm Satan and set the captives free. Jesus said, the Spirit is upon me and the Lord has anointed me to set captives free, to open, to proclaim liberty to captives and the opening of prison doors. People who are in sin are in a prison. They may know, oh, I shouldn't do it. And they even say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't do it. But they keep doing it. Paul talks about this in Romans 7. So listen to the Word today and let it equip you because that's what the Word also does. It equips, enables us to respond in the way that God's looking for. And God needs labor, especially in this field of ministry. And it says here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 5, and I'll read to you from the Amplified Brethren, If any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority and with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. Bear, endure, carry one another's burdens and troublesome moral faults, and in this way fulfill and observe perfectly the law of Christ the Messiah and complete what is lacking in your obedience to it. For if any person thinks himself to be somebody too important to co to shoulder another's load, 
when he is nobody of superiority except in his own estimation, he deceives and deludes and cheats himself. But let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct, his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. If a person is overtaken, caught in a fault, in a moral fault, it shows, which should be our response. You see, there is a spirit of mercy by which Jesus triumphs over judgment on his throne. I am so grateful that he has the authority and power upon his suffering and his cleansing flood of his blood to triumph over judgment and to justify the ungodly, the ungodly, by faith in him through his grace to them. If they simply trust in Jesus, who suffered the pain and punishment of that fault, they can receive forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. But there has to be that acknowledgement of his mercy. And therefore the Lord says in Luke chapter six, and so importantly, so that that spirit is constantly evidenced in us in verse 36, therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom for the same measure that you use will be measured back to you. And friends, just because we do not come with that spirit of judgment, that doesn't mean we condone or think it's permissible for people to behave in a way that is immoral or ungodly. But it says here in Romans chapter 2 verse 4, do the riches of his extraordinary kindness make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? Romans 2 verse 4 in Passion Translation. You see, friends, the spirit that turns people's heart from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God is the Lamb of God. It's the Lamb of God that gives people hope when they have no more hope because they've ruined it all by breaking every law of God and violating his character and insisting on the indulgence of their own sinful nature. And they're hopeless and they know there is no answer for them with anybody because everybody knows how wrong they've been. And here you come 
with the spirit, as I talked yesterday of exhortation, with the spirit of reconciliation, with the spirit of mercy, with the spirit of grace. Reconciliation, my friends, is not just saying, hey, here is your answer. No, it's embodying the answer. It's carrying that spirit. I'm forgiven. I am reconciled and rejoice in this reconciliation with my Father through Jesus in me. What I have is not of myself. It is the grace of God. It is Jesus. It is His mercy. It is His love. And I understand. I do. I do because I've gone through it plenty of times. How some behaviors and some actions are cruelly evil and wicked and wrong and offensive. And if it wasn't for that merciful grace of Jesus, we could not conquer it. We couldn't overcome it. We can't. Because there is a right and righteous sense of righteousness and unrighteousness, good and evil, and it's godly to have that, and it's godly to be indignant about what is wrong. It is godly to be that way. However, there has to be something that over, overshadows all of that sense of judgment, like the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant in which the law is being kept, and that is the blood of the Lamb shed upon that mercy seat all continuously continuously the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is on his throne in which his laws embodied in him who is the word of God and if it wasn't for that blood on that mercy seat how could it have power to quiet that indignation that offense against what's wrong oh friends we need to know this power I'm talking about, the power that triumphed over sin and over judgment, that satisfied the law, it didn't just put it away, it satisfied it by bearing in meekness and gentleness its judgment completely. And that is the power, the power that Paul looked up looked for in his own life to emanate, to embody. In Philippians 3.10, he says that I may know the fellowship of his suffering and so be conformed to him, to become like him in the fellowship of his suffering. Many times all we want to know is the power of his resurrection life and rightfully so, but friends, Christ will always lead you to his throne of grace where you may obtain grace to help in that time of need for a person that's caught in a sin. And I understand how without that mercy you can't do it. You can't do it. It's too offensive. And here in Acts chapter 9, you have a beautiful man of God that you don't hear too much about except right here. And he's at home. He might be in the kitchen with his wife making dinner together. They're like Virginia and I, best friends. And suddenly, in his spirit, Ananias hears the Lord saying, Ananias, Ananias. Ananias looks at his wife and he says, Honey, the Lord's calling me. 
He needs me. I'm just going to go pray, okay? I'll be back in a minute. Ananias, yes, says, yes, Lord. Here I am in verse 10 of chapter 9 of Acts. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. I find this so amazing if you study this out. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. You see the gossip? I've heard. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Oh, I love Ananias. How I long day and night to be like that precious man. Because Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized and so forth. Wow. Now, come on. When a man, when someone is caught in a sin, this is what we want. Saul was caught by Jesus on his way to bring havoc and destruction and sorrow and pain upon God's people. And Jesus called to him from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, Why are you persecuting me? It is not good for you to kick against the goats. I have, in other words, goats is a long stick with a sharp point that a farmer would use to prop the oxen into action. In other words, I have goaded you. I've I've convicted you, but you've hardened yourself against me. And here you come and you want to destroy these people that are mine. Why you come against me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And Saul said, what wilt thou? What do you want me to do? I love the old King James there. What wilt thou that I should do? Oh, and Jesus said, go and it shall be told you. And he went and was led by others since he was blinded in this house there of Jude. And he was praying and fasting for three days. Oh, and there was this sweet saint of God, spiritually mature having that heart of Jesus to reconcile, to restore, that Galatians 6 talks about. You see, friends, this is the spirit that Saul received when Ananias laid his hands on him because Saul said in in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting at verse 12, and I'll read to you from the Living Bible, how thankful I am to Jesus my Lord, for choosing me to be one of his messengers and giving me the strength to be faithful to him, even though I used to scoff at his name. 
I even hunted down his people, trying to harm them in any way I could. But God had mercy on me because I didn't know what I was doing, for I didn't know Jesus at that time. Oh, how kind the Lord was and showed me how to trust him and become full of his love. It is so true, and I long for everyone to know that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the greatest of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Jesus could use me as an example to show everyone how patient he is with even the worst of sinners and so forth. Do you see the experience that Saul had with Jesus who loves people? He loves you, he loves me. Oh, I will not act like he doesn't love me. No, I will not doubt. I will not have doubt and be afraid that he's upset with me when he has proven his love for me and giving his life for me. No, I will always keep saying, Lord, I know you love me. I know you love me, I trust you. My life is in your hands. I love you, Lord, for loving me. Oh, friends, this spirit of reconciliation is the spirit of maturity. Maturity is not that you have all this knowledge. Paul himself writes in 1 Corinthians 13, if you have knowledge to know everything, but you have love, you don't have love, it does not impress God. If you have faith with which you could even move a mountain, but you have not love, it does not impress God. If you had all these different generosities that you would even give your own life but have not love, it does not impress God. Love suffers long, is patient, is kind, does not insist on its own rights, it's not vainglorious or puffed up with pride, it's not rude or unmanly. Love believes the best, love endures all, love bears upon anything and everything without failing, love never never, never fails. That spiritual maturity, God is love and he who loves is of God. And in this love, as we live in communion with God, his love is perfected in us so that we have no fear before him. That kind of spiritual maturity is what gives hope and reconciliation to those that are caught in a failure. Let me close with you here from Ezekiel, chapter 18, starting at verse 21. Oh, I love these chapters in Ezekiel. Love them. Verse 21 of Ezekiel 18. If a wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, keeps all my statutes and does what's lawful and right, he shall surely live and shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Do I have pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? Verse 27, again, when a wicked man turns away from his wickedness which he has committed and does what's lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he has committed. He shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not fair. 
O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair and your ways which are not fair? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourself a new heart. (coughs) Excuse me. A new heart. Come on, cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of the one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. Now that is the maturity God needs in you and me because all of heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents, Jesus said. Come on there, friends. Let's uh, pursue this, seek this, and long for this in our union with Jesus, that Jesus can employ us, that we might just happen to catch somebody at a fault, not to gossip about it, no, but to bring forgiveness and reconciliation, to see people turn and come back to God and find that His mercies are new every morning. Amen. Have a good day.